from Sarasota Memorial and the Deb Kavanaugh Multimedia Studio. This is HealthCast, a healthy dose of information from experts you can trust. everyone. Welcome to HealthCast. I'm Allison Gottermeyer. Thank you for joining us today as we discuss emergency care for those experiencing stroke or heart issues and how bystanders can help if they see someone experiencing one of these emergencies. Our guest today, Dr. Marshall Frank, an emergency medicine physician at Sarasota Memorial. Dr. Frank also serves as the medical director for the Sarasota County Fire Department. So Dr. Frank, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Thanks for having me. How common is it for someone to experience a heart attack or cardiac arrest or a stroke in front of someone else? Sure. Well, most commonly they'll experience it in the, in the home, a cardiac arrest in the home. A heart attack, we don't know the data really all that well on, on heart attack, and we'll differentiate the difference between heart attack and, and cardiac arrest later. But uh, we know cardiac arrest typically happens in the home, especially during COVID, during the pandemic, people were spending more time at home. So it's pretty common for it to happen in the home in front of a loved one. How important is it to immediately call for help and administer life-saving help while waiting for first responders? That's the most important thing somebody can do. If you, if you witness a loved one or a friend or a bystander or a, you know, a lay person on the street witnesses this happening, it's very important to activate the 911 EMS system and start uh, chest compressions right away. That's, uh, that's, the, that's one of the most life-saving things one can do. And how different can the outcomes be significant. We know from data, we, we have a, a registry called CARES, uh, which, we reckon, which we analyze all of our cardiac arrest data. And we know that when somebody gets bystander CPR, meaning closed chest compressions, just with just hands-only CPR, you don't need to do rescue breaths, just hands-only CPR, we know the outcome is dramatically better. You mentioned the pandemic, and during the pandemic, many people avoided calling 911 or going to the hospital, even in these life-threatening situations, because they were scared of the hospital and COVID. How concerning is that for first responders and medical staff here in the hospital? Very much that people aren't, weren't calling uh, 911 for, ch- for chest pain, for heart attack calls, or for cardiac arrest. We look at our data on a monthly, on a monthly basis. We saw our cardiac arrest volumes go down in the pre-hospital setting and the amount of ST elevation myocardial infarctions, meaning heart attacks that need to go straight to the cath lab to have a stent put in the heart. We saw those numbers go down too. That didn't mean people weren't having heart attacks. No, no, they just weren't calling us. And you can see, and in stroke patients as well, you can then see worse outcomes because they weren't getting care, right? For sure, for sure. So our cardiac arrest numbers went down, but what that meant that we were getting called for people who were deceased at home who we didn't have the opportunity to help. How can someone know if they're witnessing a heart attack versus cardiac arrest or experiencing one? And what exactly is the difference? So the difference, so cardiac arrest is basically when the heart stops beating. Either the patient has what we call as asystole, meaning it's a flat line on the EKG and the heart's not beating, or they have a shockable rhythm, something we call ventricular fibrillation, which we can defibrillate. Uh, but regardless of what the rhythm is, the heart isn't beating. A heart attack is when the heart's not getting the oxygen it needs to, uh, to supply itself. So you can have a, a heart attack where some segment of the heart actually dies, and that's called an infarction. So a person can be awake and talking to you and having a heart attack, but just experiencing pain like shortness of breath, chest pain, something like this. Uh, cardiac arrest is somebody's unconscious, not breathing, and doesn't have a pulse. So starting with heart attack specifically, what are the signs and symptoms someone should look for or can look for in a loved one and say, this is the time you got to go to the sure, hospital? Sure. So classic symptoms are chest pain, shortness of breath, 
pain radiating down both arms, pain from the chest radiating to one arm, into the neck, uh, sweating, vomiting with pain. There are certain symptoms we don't like to see with cardiac, uh, with cardiac chest pain, pain that radiates, pain that's associated with diaphoresis, which, is called, uh, which we call sweating, and pain associated with vomiting. And if someone is witnessing what they believe to be cardiac arrest, what are the next steps? The next step is number one, activation of the EMS system. So not call 911 and start chest compressions as early as you can. So you want to start closed chest compressions uh, with, with, um, with no, you don't need to do rescue breaths, just CPR, just chest compressions. Now we know that, as you said, a lot of these occur in the home, but when they do occur out in public, mm -hmm. We've heard that some people are scared of getting involved mm -hmm. um, with a stranger they may see, for example, in a restaurant or at the mall, whatever it is. What do you think are the most common reasons bystanders don't intervene? There's, I think there's two reasons. One is they don't want to get uh, in trouble for helping. So we have what we call as good Samaritan, good Samaritan laws that if you intervene and there's a bad outcome or you do something wrong as a good Samaritan, uh, you're protected under the, under the law. Number two, especially in COVID times, you're afraid of getting infected. You're afraid of getting in, into contact with uh, body substances. So that's why we really made a push in our county and nationally to do only hands-only CPR. When is CPR appropriate and can anyone do CPR or do they need to be certified? So I'll answer. So you don't need to be certified. Um, we're making a push go away from having a CPR certification, a card that you carry around saying you're cert certified in CPR, to educating the public in hands-only CPR. And we say that a lot, hands-only CPR, that's CPR, chest compressions only. You don't need to give rescue breaths. You just do hands-only hands chest compressions until help arrives. And hands-only CPR, that means no, no breath. And so during COVID right. especially, sure. that's obviously very attractive. Right. Can you just give a brief overview about hands-only CPR and what that is? Sure. It's just, uh, I'm sure you've seen on TV before, uh, you put your hands on the chest in a certain way and we'll teach you how to do that. And, uh, and you give chest compressions about 100 times a minute. And if you're on the phone with a 911 dispatcher, we have dispatchers that are called emergency medical dispatchers who are specifically trained on how to give instructions for CPR, for stroke recognition, and other things. Uh, so they'll coach you through it. They'll tell you the rate and the, the depth and how fast to go and, uh, and how to manage that in the field. So if someone is witnessing a loved one or even a, they're going to be a good Samaritan witnessing a stranger having needing this hands-only CPR, even if they haven't learned about it, mm -hmm. they can still help. Yeah, the dispatcher can walk you through hand placement and how fast you, and how fast you do chest compression. Now, what about other bystanders? If this happens in a crowded area, someone starts, you see someone doing chest compressions, what should other bystanders do? Number one is you ask whether they activated the EMS system yet. So did you call 911 yet? And then they'll, you know, the other bystander says, no, I haven't called 911, you go call 911. Number two, look for an AED, an automatic external defibrillator. If there's one around, that other bystander should go, should go get it. And number three, see if you can replace that first bystander doing CPR. Because if you're not used to doing this, maybe you're a little out of shape, it's, it can get very tiring quickly. And we know the best thing you could do is high quality continuous chest compressions. So if you're, if you're on the scene and you're doing chest compressions for two minutes and then another bystander comes, the best thing you can do is, is the, the first two things I said, activate EMS, get an AED, and then relieve, the, relieve that other person. Talk a little bit about an AED. For those who don't know, what is it and how can it be used? And is it used in different circumstances than CPR or is it always used? It's always, it's always 
put on the patient. If you're doing CPR, it's always put on the patient. It's designed to only shock two rhythms, ventricular fibrillation, which we talked about before, and ventricular tachycardia. If the patient has what we call as a non-shockable rhythm, the AED won't re um, recommend for a shock to be delivered. But you should always have it on uh, so you can tell whether there's a shockable rhythm. Shockable rhythms stay around for a, sh a, a short period of time. And we know shockable rhythms who get bystander, C bystander CPR, they do the best. They have the best outcome, the best uh, ability to go home with good neurologic outcome. So as, uh, an AED should be used in all cardiac risk cases. Um, so that's before first responders arrive. Right, right. So AEDs are around in sh shopping malls, and grocery stores, uh, police officers have them. Uh, that's, and that's before the first responders get there. How can someone learn more about AEDs and when is it appropriate to get training in using them? Um, it's always appropriate to get training in using them. Um, you can learn more about them through the American Heart Association, the American, American Red Cross, um, and there's AED programs uh, throughout the county. Who do you recommend keep an AED in their home or in their business and where should they be kept? So in your home is, is a little difficult. Modern AEDs, the price of AEDs have, have, have gone down significantly. You can get an AED on, uh, you know, online or you can buy it someplace probably for $1,200 or $1,500. So if you're at high risk, you, know, you can get an AED in your house. If everybody had an AED in his house, that would, be, that would be fantastic. I don't think that's a realistic expectation. Uh, businesses like gyms or places that have higher risk for having people developing cardiac arrest syndrome, they should have AEDs. Uh, but the, the more people that have AEDs, the better. And if you have one in your business, mm -hmm. let's say, uh, where should it be kept? Um, out, you know, visible. So when you're, so when the business owner is not around or somebody's in the store, it should be out and readily available. Outside of heart, heart emergencies, we also want to talk about strokes. How can someone know if they're experiencing early signs of a stroke or if they're witnessing someone else experiencing one? So there's a lot of mnemonics around uh, that are used. Be fast is one of the is one of the biggest one. It stands for balance, eyes, face, arms, speech, and then an emphasis on time. So the B, the T in be fast is time. So the uh, so balance. If your loved one all of a sudden develops an inability to walk, he's a, he's off balance. That could be a sign of a stroke. Call nine one one right away. Is there vision loss? Is there, you know, is, there, is there blurry vision or change in the vision? Is the face asymmetric? Is the face uneven? Is there some facial droop? Is the speech slurred? That's S. And then time. And that's a reminder. Time is of the essence. We call in, in heart attack, we call, uh, you know, we say um, time, uh, time is muscle. In, in, in brain attack, which is stroke, same thing as a heart attack, but in the brain, you know, brain, time is brain. What exactly causes a stroke? It's the same thing as what would cause a heart attack. In the heart, you have an occlusion of one, according, one of the coronary arteries that supply blood to the, brain, uh, to the heart. In the brain, same thing. One of the arteries in the brain gets occluded and you're not getting oxygenated blood flow to the brain. So really that time is important. The sooner they can get treatment, the less... The less brain they lose. Wow, okay. So what should someone do if they suspect they're with someone who's experiencing a stroke? So the first thing you wanna do is call 911. We have, re we have stroke registry data that's very unfortunate that says people recognize stroke and don't activate the EMS system for upwards of five hours. So when you get to Sarasota Memorial Hospital, for example, when, when, the, when the EMS providers pr transport a stroke patient to the hospital, we, we have emergency physicians and stroke neurologists and other technicians who greet the patient right away and start treatment. We take them to imaging studies, Within 10 minutes, we have all these time parameters. We do things 
within minutes of, of, of their arrival to the emergency department and within, their, and, and within the, the EMS system arrival. Unfortunately, what's happening is that people stay at home for upwards of five hours before they call us. So we get, we get our part done. You know, we get the patient to the hospital very, very fast, and then we start imaging and, and management of the patient very fast once they're in the system, but it takes them too much time to get into the system. And that's something we really need to push from a public health standpoint is recognition of stroke early and activation of the EMS system early. Why are people waiting that long? Uh, we don't know the answer to that. It's okay. a good question. Is it is it maybe the symptoms are mild sometimes? Uh, they may be mild or they may think, you know, I'm going to wait around and see if they get better. Or like you said before, people are nervous. You see this from a physician's perspective and a first responder. How critical is it to get that care immediately? And how much can this change someone's outcome? We can't emphasize too much how fast and how critical it is to get access to, to care fast. As soon as there are symptoms of stroke or heart attack or something, or you know, and cardiac arrest, uh, we need to be activated so we can, we can start the care right away. And you mentioned that at Sarasota Memorial with a stroke program here, we have so many resources. So it's critical that they get here because the patients have good, you can have a very good outcome. Exactly. Um, what can someone get, um, where can someone get, excuse me, the necessary training or service certifications if they're interested in learning more about the things we've discussed today, sure. like CPR um, or AED use? So we've moved away from certification because we were feeling that that was sort of limiting people's ability to, to get the training. And what we're moving toward is, 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 is education of hands-only CPR and, a, and implementation of AED. So the Sarasota County Fire Department in large groups, we do teach hands-only CPR. Uh, the American Red Cross, the American Heart Association, the Boys and Girls Clubs, they teach um, hands-only CPR too. Uh, and what we implemented a couple of years ago, the fire department is that we placed um, training kits in all of the local uh, libraries. So just like you can go check out a book, you can go check out a, a video and a training kit of, how, of teaching you how to do hands-only CPR. And I will mention that at smh.com, you can also find details about hands-only CPR. We've created a video with one of our cardiac nurses to also help because it's, it's so important yeah. that they get that care right away. And it's important to do it early. In the, in the, in the dispatch uh, world of EMS, when the dispatcher, when the 911 call taker takes a 911 call, we have something called no, no, go. So the, the, the question is, is the patient responsive? Is the patient breathing normally? If both of those are no, so no, no, then we start CPR. Because uh, you can still have what we call agonal respirations. The patient who's in cardiac arrest can still be breathing a little bit, and that deters people from starting chest compressions because they think the patient's not in cardiac arrest. So we call it no, no, go. Not breathing normally, not responsive, start CPR. Who, when it comes to these heart emergencies, whether heart attack or cardiac arrest and stroke, who is most at risk? People that, uh, you know, anybody who's at risk for heart attacks. So uh, people who are overweight, people who are diabetic, people who have hypertension, people who smoke, people who have sedentary lifestyle, people who have what we call like a metabolic syndrome. Uh, these are people at risk, but anybody can be at risk. So uh, a heart attack, like I said before, is an occlusion of one of the coronary arteries that supply blood to the, to the heart. If you have a plaque in your heart, you can be an avid runner or an avid exerciser. If you have a plaque in your heart that one of the coronary arteries that ruptures, you can be a, you can have a heart attack. So so there's people that are are at risk at baseline, but really anybody can be at risk. 
Are there lifestyle changes you recommend to prevent these emergencies? Sure. I think we've all heard it a million times, diet, exercise. Uh, you know, the, the American diet is a little bit uh, deleterious for us. So, you know, eating a healthy diet, getting exercise, stopping smoking, limiting alcohol use. To sum up this conversation and, and bring it home for our Sarasota community, do you have any advice for people who may be watching this and thinking how they would react in an emergency? Any final thoughts you want to share? No, I would just, you know, I would just say stay calm, you know, and recognize the emergency. Like I said before, recognition of stroke is extremely vital. We have, we, we're seeing data that says we sit around for five hours before we, we activate the EMS system. You know, we don't want to admit that we're sick, but we have to recognize these, these syndromes early on. So recognizing stroke early. If you, if you see somebody on the street, a C, you see a bystander, early CPR, we know, we know for a fact through the literature, early CPR, high quality chest compressions, early access to defibrillation saves people's lives. We, uh, we just had a case recently at a grocery store. One of the grocery store workers recognized somebody had a cardiac arrest, did CPR early, didn't uh, active, utilize the AED, and the patient walked out of the hospital totally normal. And lastly, we talked a little bit before about some of that fear during this pandemic. And as we see waves of the pandemic, people not wanting to come to the hospital. How do you reassure people that it's safe to come here and it's better for them to come here in these emergencies? Yeah, we. The policies that we have in place are very safe. Everybody's wearing a mask. We have uh, distancing policies. It's safe to come to the hospital. If you're admitted to the hospital, there's there's COVID policies. Uh, this should not deter us from coming to the hospital. Uh, as we're opening up more, you know, we're getting out more. Uh, certainly, coming to the hospital for a life-saving intervention or life-saving treatment should not deter you from coming to the hospital. Dr. Frank, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. And of course, we wanna encourage our community to get the education about AEDUs, to learn more and research more about hands-only CPR. You can make a difference in any one of these life-saving opportunities. And as always, we encourage everyone in our community to visit smh.com to get the latest information from Sarasota Memorial. Have a great day.